I'm Michael Kist of Bleeding Green Nation, and I invite you, gentle listener, to join us for the best analysis of the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles in the business. BGN Radio provides you with the most informative preview shows, and the Kist and Solak show dives deep into all the schemes and X and O details you could ever want. Plus discussions with the industry's brightest minds, including former NFL players and press conferences from the Eagles coaching staff to keep you up to date and informed every step of the way. Subscribe to Bleeding Green Nation today. Fly, Eagles, fly. This is gonna feel real good, alright? Most dope. Everybody, please put a thumb in the air. To BSH Radio, that's right, Broad Street Hockey Radio. We're recording live right here in the beautiful Wildfire Radio studios. And I gotta say, I am as positive as can be after a huge Flyers overtime win over the team tied for last in the East. Yeah, 63 minutes and 20 seconds to beat a bad team. Way to go, boys! And this is where the positivity ends. My name is Bill Matz, and I am your director of fun and games for the evening. We have a uh, we have a real fun show to you so for you tonight. Uh, so let's just get started. My panel for the evening with me as always, my broadcast partner in crime, Steph Felicious D. Steph Driver, and her trusty companion, Missy Driver. I did. I made the executive decision to bring Missy with me tonight. Um, can you or anybody explain to me how a puck can cross the goal line while it's still in play and not be a goal? Before a whistle, even was blown. Hmm. It's incredible. Because hmm. the Flyers. Much like hmm. the new cocktail I've invented called Because the Flyers. <laughs> <laughs> and what does that include? It is uh, Don Q rum, uh-huh. Captain Morgan rum, uh-huh. and Lima Rita. How about bleach? Where does that come in? <laughs> <laughs> it kind of, it tasted a lot like bleach. I'm not. I'm glad lie. it's all it, alcohol. It was. <laughs> There's no room for subtlety as a Flyers fan. True. With us, joining a special guest this week, in for Kelly Henkel from the Orange and Black Pack, Mikey D. Hello, hello. How are you this week, Mikey? I'm not doing too bad. How about you? I'm I'm doing great after that big OT win. We're all marching towards the playoffs. Sure. Last but last but Let's not with that. Not last but not least, Charlie O'Connor. So one thing that that had really kind of I wouldn't say annoys me because I root for the guy, but I'm consistently blown away how people like seem to think that Taylor Lear is this like great player. I, I want him to be good, but you see on like our comment section, people like plugging him into the third line. Like, yeah, Taylor Lear, third line NHL. That's how we're going to improve the roster. It's like he hasn't been that good anytime he's hit the NHL. It's not to say he can't be, but like if you're bringing him up to the NHL, you're basically you want to use him as a fourth liner and hope he gets better. It's not like he's going to jump into the NHL and be Matt Reed part two immediately. Like, let's let's keep our expectations reasonable for the kid, okay? I think it's two things. I think it's one, frustration with the roster itself. People, Matt Reed has a lot of haters. I am a bigger fan than many, but like, I get it. All right, He doesn't score at all anymore. Uh, 
People don't want to see Dale Weiss. People don't want to see Boyd Gordon. Who people got, aren't seeing Dale yeah. Weiss. They're certainly not people, seeing Boyd Gordon. People don't want to see Belmar. People don't want to see Vandevelde. They just assume Taylor Lear has to be better than this guy because uh, he's doing pretty well in the AHL. Mm-hmm. I feel the same way about... And he's uh, like, an all-star. Yeah, I don't know if Jordan Wheel's great, but I assume he's better than the, like, the five or six guys I just named. I don't know like if Scott Lawton, how good he is, but I think he's better than those guys, and... Also, people just like to be optimistic. We that, all think, that, that's the big. We thing. all yeah. think all the prospects are really good. Yep. I mentioned how uh, how uh, the Islanders are tied for last in the East. One of the teams with whom they are tied, the Tampa Bay Lightning. My what? My happens? Stanley Cup pick. I realize they are without Stamkos, but they are they're worst in the East. Bad. Mm. Like how are they this bad? They shouldn't be this bad. No, it, it's, Goaltending, right? Yeah. I mean, you got Bishop who had uh, who'd been injured for how long? Vizilevsky just didn't live up to expectations. Yeah, not not that good this year. They and then he was supposed have, to ta- he was supposed yeah. to take over, especially with how good he played in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You thought they were he was expecting take him to kind of yeah. push Bishop out of the way. They gave him the extension, and mm-hmm. Bishop is kind of, oh yeah, we're not really probably going to extend you. You're the odd man out here, and it's not working. And a lot of their guys are just, except for Kucherov, not having huge seasons. Right. Their defense is, is thin. Yeah, the, like, the defense like, is like Hedman good. and Strawman are very very good, and then past that, like when when you're acting like. Brady Braden Coburn is like your third best defenseman. That's that's scary, hmm. especially now that Braden Coburn is like three years removed from you know his last good season. I would say hmm. they just don't have anyone. Where where have we heard that before? Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, the good old days. <laughs> Blame Coburn. It was crazy to see like Braden Coburn have an offensive game for like three weeks and just never, never, <laughs> never replicate. I, I was always like, a, I was always never, a Coburn defender. But. I tried and it just became really difficult. Like I understood his role, but it was just like I don't know, man. You're on the ice for a ton of defensive breakdowns. Well, he just had the like. I think what infuriated so many people about Coburn was once every like month or so. Coburn would just like this, this like light bulb would go off and he'd be like wait a minute I'm I'm bigger and faster than everyone on the ice I'm just gonna go end to end and like bulldoze people and he'd do it and it'd be great and then you think to yourself why does he do this all the time he was just one of those guys who completely looked apart Steph gets mad when I make the comparisons to other sports but like John <laughs> Mayberry Jr. looked great in a baseball jersey he looked like a guy you would create in a video game mm-hmm. and then he'd go out and hit his weight he was like ah oh, well I guess not <laughs> he Coburn I don't even know what those words Coburn mean. Coburn was just a guy who looked apart and just never really lived up to what we thought he was going to be. Especially when they first got him. And he could like he had a all very, of a sudden he had develop a that repair. one-timer with team in yeah. it, and those two worked real well together. And he was a useful defenseman, but he was a yeah. he was a six foot zero defenseman in a six foot five defenseman's body. Yes. Like he played like a smaller defenseman. And he was a useful smaller defenseman. It was just that people looked at him and were like, why aren't you a great defenseman. He was never going to be a great defenseman. He was okay. He was a second pair no, guy. He was a number three who yeah. became the number one by default when Prada yep. went down. Yeah, because they had no one so, else. We are, this is our first show since the bye week. We are returning from the bye, refreshed, feeling great, lots of energy in here. After Saturday, I kind of want to go back into the bye. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if the Flyers knew the bye was over until Sunday, honestly. To, to, you, why even Ugh. schedule a Saturday night game against the Devils? That's not fair to anybody. 
That's not fair to the league. That's not fair to the Flyers. It's not fair to when, fans. When was the last time you saw them on the schedule and was just like, man, I can't wait to take on the Devils? It's just, it's <laughs> I can't believe they scored. Game. Honestly, scoring a goal, especially when it was like they're not starting Schneider. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, man, backup goalie, Devils, Saturday night. Mm-hmm. This has 3 nothing written all over it. <laughs> But they scored. Close. But what did we think of the bye week? Because there's a lot of this is the most ridiculous thing ever heading in, and I don't know, it didn't, didn't seem to, it didn't bother me. I liked it. No, I actually I watched a lot of hockey, and I watched it detached. I was just enjoying the game, just you know. So once we dove back in on Saturday, the my blood pressure went up, and I had to I had to kind of hold myself back because those games that start around seven o'clock and. I have my my kids are still up and I can't scream in my TV. I know a lot of I know a lot of people at home. They're screaming at their TV. They're throwing stuff around. I can't do any of that, or else you know my wife uh, tells me I'm sleeping on the couch that night. So <laughs> good. I love the couch. <laughs> <laughs> now, but uh, the Flyers didn't lose any of the ground, and they didn't have they any, didn't lose the game. No, <laughs> it's a they positive right there. They didn't have any momentum to break. Uh, I guess a lot of people thought like they really needed some practice time, and you're not. They weren't. You know, they were off the ice Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, but I don't know. I, who knows what they need? Like, that yeah, was, that's not exactly. them. Yeah, that, that was the thing because, you know, we can all play amateur psychologists here and be like, oh, well, they need a practice time or, oh, they need this. And it's like, we don't know what they need. They were playing really poorly. They got four days off. They came back and they played a little bit better on Saturday, but the results were awful because apparently uh, hitting a guy on the back and hip is a clipping penalty from, from what I gather. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I, you mean I, a, hip, I, a hip check? I, I, I might be crazy. I, I don't know. Yeah. The, 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 all the contact on that hit was to the upper body, I thought. But, you know, what do <laughs> it's I know? A totally I'm, clean I'm not an NHL referee. Uh, I will say, like, I don't know. I, I just felt like they needed the time. Like, it wasn't anything... It wasn't anything... They could practice. Like, well, I'm, I'm, I just go away for a week and come back, and maybe it'll be better. Yeah, well, I'm actually kind of interested. I hope, like, after the season's done, this is the first season with the bye week. Is the players' union going to get together and kind of discuss like the pros and the cons? I would do the bye week. Yeah, I would think so. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought the reason why they got the bye week was because of the World Cup. It right? was a trade off with was the World Cup. Oh, yeah. I thought it was a three on three All Star. Is that is, 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 is that the trade off? That's that's what I read. That's what I read in uh, Pierre LeBron's okay. ESPN okay. article. I to- I totally believe you, but it just it cracks me up that it's like okay, well we're gonna do this, but you get this back, and really nobody wins. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure the players like to have the vacation time because the, the yeah. big thing here was just that they got they didn't have to practice. Like mm-hmm. they get yeah. they get weeks off during the year just because schedules are weird, but they got to actually not have to go to work for four Wayne or five Simmons days straight. Wayne Simmons got to you know. Go get engaged yeah, good for, and good all, that, all that good stuff. Did uh, anybody know that he was with anybody? No. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, oh, yeah. I guess if you I don't follow him, anything. If you follow him on Instagram, you probably know. Okay. Well, I don't. Fo- I don't follow these guys. He's on got Instagram. a lot of answering to do because he's been texting me, and I thought like it was just me and him forever. <laughs> well, uh, I love. Sorry, one. Bill. Uh, <laughs> no, but like I'm down on the team right now, obviously because my emotions are volatile at all times. But like I will say, what I, does that feel like? I, I will say I believe after that 10 game winning streak ended, they never got a chance to just catch their breath and go. Okay, now we just have to. We just that was a great thing, and now we just have to maintain and play some consistent hockey well, for the rest think, of the way. You would think that would have happened during the Christmas break. I mean, it wasn't a gigantic break, yeah. but it was a bit of a break. It didn't because they came out and they played like garbage on the West Coast. But I hated the bye week 
only because it was an entire week where my anxiety was at at its peak about what Dave Haxtall was going to screw up next. <laughs> And I didn't get an Without answer. I didn't, immediate pay I didn't. I didn't get an yeah. answer for a week. So I was like, "How? How is this going to backfire next? I don't really know, and I'm not going to find out immediately." So then we thought Konechny was a scratch again on Saturday, and that was <laughs> that, that was that was a fun scare. That was a whole thing, and I, I think just, that was I half a troll it. job. I honestly believe it very that was well like half a troll job. Well, it was only in one place. <laughs> <laughs> I, I woke up and I go on our, our Slack chat room and somebody's freaking out about Connect. I think it actually was Kurt. He's like, oh, Connect, he scratched me. Wait, what? Yeah. Who, who said this? Where does this come from? Me, Crut. <laughs> yeah, it, it, me, Crut. <laughs> um, is anyone surprised there wasn't a shakeup, a trade, anything? No. 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 I, I, I don't think Textile would have been opposed to it, but it's just, you know, it's hard to make trades in this league. and It yeah. really is. Yeah. I mean, especially now with. Uh, the uh, expansion draft lingering after this season. I mean, that just completely changes the landscape on, on you know on the trade market. Everybody's considering how there was like you know a seventeen minute period this off season where all hell broke loose in this league. Mm-hmm. There's been nothing since. Nope, not a single damn thing of any interest has happened whatsoever. I thought good old fashioned hockey trades were coming back. You know, one, yeah, one, yeah, one, one for one, instead of making this all complicated. But you know, with the with the salary cap and players' ages. We can't forget that third-round pick. <laughs> Gotta have a third-round pick third in every trade. Pick. That's the way it works. Yeah, I mean, sure. But I'm going to get into just, I guess, my biggest question right now. Why are they this bad? They can't score. They can't stop other teams from scoring. Uh, that seems like a bad combination. I'm just going to put it out there. Uh, they won last night against a bad team because sometimes mediocre teams beat bad teams. But like they're not very good. They're they're not they're not playing very well. They had a three week stretch this season in which they won ten consecutive games, and outside that of did the, happen outside of those eighteen days, they haven't done anything. I think you can make a strong case that they certainly weren't as good as they played during that ten game stretch, and they're not as bad as the results are showing mm-hmm. up now. Um, I think you are seeing this weekend. Granted, it was against two poor teams, but you saw them carry play for the most part. Really, they probably would have won that Islanders game by two or three goals had uh, had Grice not been really, really good. Um, and then the the Devils game was just weird because like they they dominated the first two periods of play, and then they the good yeah, well the goodest the goodest hit happened, and then they collapsed. And that that to me has really been the biggest problem during these last couple of weeks is that like it just it's snowballing. Like they play okay. And they're they're not rolling, they're not necessarily winning, but they're in the game, and then something goes wrong, and then something else goes wrong, and they just like you can just see the look in their eyes, like oh god, not again. I mean that the Capitals game was the perfect example. They played two good periods, they have one mistake by Delzad, and you're like okay, well they're down one nothing, but like they're they're probably playing better than the Capitals, and then one mistake became four mistakes, and it's five nothing, and they just they they hadn't they. They were unable to like reset. They couldn't just say, "Okay, that was one screw up. Don't let it happen again." It was just, "All right, well, let's." There goes the floodgates, and that to me has been the biggest problem during this this poor stretch. To me, that issue signifies two things. Uh, first of all, it's leadership. Whether it be the guys who have letters on their sweaters, I'm not just saying. I'm not just saying Giroux. I know I like to criticize Giroux on this show because he is the best player in the team and all that, but that's not what this is. I'm saying the coaches, uh, the the leadership group, the guys who are veterans who've been here for a while, they're not able to get everyone to settle down. And 
when you have some young players, that's understandable that you have that kind of inconsistency, but that's part of what being a leader is, is being able to rally this group and say, like they did earlier in the season, we can come back from this as they were able to during that stretch when they fell behind just as much as they did mm-hmm. when they've lost all these games. But uh, it's, it's that, and I'm just looking at this roster. There's just not enough good players. There's not enough guys who, when things start to go badly, can say, I'm just going to go make a play, and that will keep us in it. Yeah, you and know, that just isn't happening. It's funny. It, somebody on Twitter said to me, and I can't recall who it was or when it was, but it was uh, somewhere in the past week. But they said that this roster is just constipated, mm. and I thought that that was actually you know <laughs> I, it made me laugh at first. But then yeah. I started thinking like this roster is kind of constipated. It's all role based, but nobody's really nobody's really converting their 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 role very properly. You yeah. know, it, like no, nothing's nothing's coming out of. They're not producing anything. Coming yeah. out of their yeah. play. All right, I wanted to ask this later, but you, since you brought it up, uh, this is a this is a good question. Then um, take Provorov out of the mix. We've all been wildly impressed with what a 19 year old has been able to do in you know 24 minutes a game. Basically, uh, he's been playing very well. We all like it. Name another guy on this team who has impressed you this season. Travis Konechny. Yeah. Yeah. He's like. He's what right. five nine? The a, way that he throws his body around is not pick, like a man who's five nine. He's had some great flashes. Yeah, he's okay. I mean, I guess he's the, also nineteen. Yeah, sure. Yeah, like, no, that's true. That's a fact. Yeah, Connor McDavid's nineteen. Austin, Matt, I well, mean, he's not it's Connor a young McDavid. league. It's a young <laughs> league. There's a lot of really good young players. That's nothing to me anymore. Twenty five. You're too old now. You're past your prime at twenty six years old. That's sad. Yeah. <laughs> the NHL's becoming the NFL. It's a young man's game. But it, it depends on... Unless like, you're Yager and you're it, just robotic. Well, yeah, then, I mean, is he even human? <laughs> <laughs> it depends on, like, what you mean by impressing. Like, people... like Who's play, done more well, than you expected well, players, this year? Players are impressing in certain aspects of the game. Like, Wayne Simmons has been very good on the power play. Travis Konechny, in my opinion, has been very good at even strength. Rako Gudis has been very solid, and he's proven to me that last year wasn't a fluke and that he's legitimately a top-four defenseman. Like, there have been players who have impressed me. Ha- has Have any of the players stepped up and had great seasons? Who's had a better year than you expected them to have? Well, um, Mav. That's yeah, Lu- a good yeah, answer. Luby. Yeah, I, I, I did not expect Luby Mav to be this I didn't good. know what to expect. Yeah. You know, but, I mean, he's, he's turned out to be kind of a solid bottom sixer. That's true. I There's really like wrong him. With saying that either, you know, no? he's not flashy, but he's a he's a pretty hard four checker. No, and I would love I would love Lubomov on a really good team. Mm-hmm. It's just that when we say a fourth line winger who has been in and out of the lineup this year is the most who who has had the most impressive season, like a guy who gave you more than you expected. Well, I think Matt Reed yeah. would also I, I, be I, I in was that actually going to say Reed. Yeah. Uh, you know, Meet Reed has. I think improved on last year. Uh, people were calling for his head over the off season and and going into this season. He had a really hot start and he slowed down a little bit. When but, was the last time he scored a goal? Well, he was injured for and, a and long that's time. That's also that's not his like. And this goes back. Uh, you got to score a goal you, every now. Well, and it then. goes back to your point though, like. Matt Reed is having a good year. I did not think Matt Reed was going to continue to drive play at the degree okay. he's done, and he's been better. But if you're talking about Matt Reed and, and, and Roman Lubimov as the two guys who have exceeded expectations, and then Provorov, as you mentioned, but like, where are the other guys? Like, they're not the guys who are going to win you games. Matt Reed exceeding expectations is being a good third line player. 
whereas last year he was probably like a fourth liner. This year he's been a very good third line player. He scores occasionally. He's driven play to a ridiculous degree. But like you don't win games by a good third line player playing like a good third line player. You win games by first line players playing really well and they're not. And Voracek had a really good start. He's tailed off recently. Mm-hmm. And then Giroux has been great on the power play. And then at even strength, he's been somewhere between passable and sort of a mess. Well, sp- speaking of special teams, and you're talking about players who've impressed us this season, what about Simmons on the on the penalty kill? I think that's he's been true. Outstanding. I mean, that's true. just against the Islanders, I thought he was outstanding on the penalty kill. I, I Putting Simmons on the penalty kill is... I think the best decision, what whoever made it on this coaching staff, uh, whether it be Gordon or or, or Haxtell or whoever, great decision. Mm-hmm. Laperriere, whoever made that decision, mm-hmm. great. It, it, it's working very well. Now, was but, he was he as good as a penalty killer in in Los Angeles as as as, as he is this season with the Flyers? I, I just he's improved every aspect of his game so much since he's gotten here. I doubt it, but I don't know. Uh, we didn't use him there Mm-mm. as when when he came over, so I can't imagine he was a standout penalty killer there. I guess they just used him there because he's a a big body who who knows how to play responsible hockey. But yeah, that is one thing that has been has been a positive for this team. To go back to your original point though about they're just I think you say it's basically like there just aren't enough good players. Yeah, I don't know if I agree with that completely because I look at the roster and. What I think they do lack, I think they're lacking a game breaker, which goes to what you said about, you know, is there anybody that can just turn a game? Like, Konechny may be that guy in the future. He's not quite there yet because he's 19 years old. You really wish that Voracek or Giroux could be that guy. I don't know if Giroux is that guy anymore. Voracek, I want him to be that guy. He hasn't been that guy for the past maybe month and a half. Voracek's strip of Tavares last night and pass over to Ghost is basically what won them that game. That was a great play. He is a guy capable of on a shift going out and making that kind of play i just want to see like you're getting paid like a superstar i want you to be a superstar you be at a point of game be consistent do it every night and nobody has done that this year but i look at their top nine their top nine fours you know let's let's strip away belmar vandevelde and and, and lubimov for a minute like mm-hmm. i look at their top nine and i think it's good enough like is it is it top tier no it's not top tier do they not, but but I, I think it's good enough they have they have two good centers they have a bunch of wings that can drive play they have a guy who scores 30 goals in wayne simmons like they have a mix of players that should be playing better they're not playing that well right now but they should be playing better than what they've done. And I don't think we can say that they don't have enough good players. I think they have enough good players. I think those good players need to play better. The 10-game winning streak took place over an 18-day stretch. Outside of that, everything outside of those three weeks on which they were on a winning streak, they are 13, 19, and 6, averaging under three goals a game. They had a hot couple of weeks. They're giving up over three and a half goals a game. They're minus 30 as a team outside of those three weeks. Everything they've done except for that winning streak has been bad. Yeah, but you can't just take away. Like, I see what you're saying. A getting. one hot stretch. I'm taking away one hot stretch and saying, what have you done over what has been the majority of the season, bookending one hot stretch? Okay, so if we're going to take away the one hot stretch, then let's take away this one bad yeah, stretch. Exactly. And, 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 and I agree that we're not as good as that 10 gamer. But we're not as bad as... I mean, you said that earlier, Charlie, but we're not as bad as as what we've been seeing lately. Is that true? 
They started the season real bad. Well, they started the season, they couldn't keep the puck out of their own net. They could score a lot at the start of the year. And they still can't keep the puck out of their own well, net. The the biggest concern... We're at the end of January, they're still... Uh, Steve Mason's save percentage is still yeah. below 900. And, and, and that's my biggest concern right now. Because, <laughs> yeah. as we'll go into a little bit later, the underlying numbers are in January for the Flyers have actually been pretty good. But the one elephant in the room remains... It doesn't matter if they're driving play. It doesn't matter if they're preventing shots, like if they're suppressing shots decently on the penalty kill. It doesn't matter if the goaltenders are not stopping the puck. And there have been so many teams in recent NHL history that have good, good coursey, you know, good play driving metrics, but they get buried by the fact their goalies are terrible. And I mean, look at Carolina. This is the first year where Carolina's got like half decent goaltending and they're right in the thick of the playoff race. The past three years, they've driven play, but it hadn't, didn't matter because Cam Ward was awful. Like the goaltending to me is the biggest issue. Mason, to his credit, played very well against the Islanders. That was good to see. Mm-hmm. But can we expect that to continue? I hope so. But when you're when you're three months into a year, you're absolutely when you're three months into a year and the guy has a save percentage below 90%, yeah, like you start thinking, is this just a bad year for him? Well, the, I think one of the biggest differences between the performances in the beginning of the season, what we're seeing now in this, uh, you know, the past month is that uh, the power play's gone south. Yeah. Whether it's on the road, whether it's at home, we're not scoring power play goals. And yeah. I, I don't know, I, does anybody else get the feeling that this this team lives and dies by its power play? Yeah. Oh, it's a power play dependent team. That's, and they have been for years. Yeah, and so, I mean, that's who they are. If that's going to go ice cold, then I mean, your goaltending's going to continue to suck. Uh, defense is going to continue to suck, and you can't score the goals to make up for all of that. Mm-hmm. I do want to go into um, the offensive zone play because this is something this I've been, is something I wanted to ask you. Yeah, about. this is something I've been focusing on over the past couple weeks with um, in my observations. The Flyers, like I, I hinted at this, like the Flyers have, in my opinion, forwards that are good enough to score in this league, mm-hmm. more, score more than they've done so far, especially at five on five. I'm really starting to wonder if there's a systems issue here. Um, so to break it down, like the Flyers are sixth in the NHL in five-on-five shot attempts created per 60 minutes. They create a lot of shots. They shoot the puck a lot. But when you adjust that for shot location and shot quality, they're 24th in expected goals. And the reason for that is because they have the furthest overall average shot distance this at 5 on 5 in the NHL. Steph, what did I text you about? I guess it was on Saturday. Uh, I said, Steph, remember this because, shit. you know, <laughs> Oops. we're both enjoying activities right now. Oops, I was so, drinking. Hold on. <laughs> so if I put this in a text message, I'll remember it. Was it about ice cream cake? No, it was before that. Uh, Do we have any idea uh, from that distance? Do we have any idea if that's coming from... Defenseman mostly. I, I, that's that's you know, what I think is going on. They're, this is a perimeter team, sure. and that's my thing about they need more good players. They yes, need to get Flyers are too perimeter oriented. I do have that text. Yes. There we go. <laughs> but it's not to me. It's not the like. This is where you say, is it the players or is it the coach? Is, is are the players struggling to get to the high danger areas, or is the coach telling them to feed the puck up to the point, blast away, and then look for rebounds? I think it's the latter. I think this is a this is a intentional strategy on the part of Dave Haxtell to play a low to high offensive zone style, blast away from the point, create traffic, get rebounds. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's if it's a good strategy. But that's my issue is I love I love the greasy goals. Wayne Simmons is my maybe my favorite flyer ever at this mm-hmm. point. Uh, but they don't have anyone who can shoot and score. That's what I mean. They, they, they lack... I and think, that's the issue. This is how they have to create offense. Right. It's not that they lacked the finesse. I think that they lacked players who, who can't who can't 
uh, change the release point. You know, you look at Voracek, for instance. He gets he gets the puck. I mean, no, I've, I've, I haven't seen anybody handle the puck like he can on the Flyers. But mm. once he gets inside, once he gets inside that lane. It, he can't change his release point last second. You see a lot of the, the pucks get deflected and flutter mm-hmm. off, off into the net. But uh, we, we just don't have players who can make last-second decisions and snipe and snipe goals from 10, 15 feet out. But I'm not even concerned about like snipers because, to be quite honest with you, snipers are most are most valuable on the rush. You know, They can skate down the wing and rip a shot past the goalie, top mm-hmm. corner, whatever. What I'm talking about is the cycle game. And what do the Flyers have a lot of? What we you know, we hear all the time the Flyers don't have a don't have a sniper, they don't have a score. But what do they have a lot of? They have a lot of passers. Now, you would think if you have a team with a lot of guys who are really good at passing, guys like Giroux, guys like honestly Konechny, like they have guys who are plus passers. Why are you not letting them try to find guys in the slot? In the offensive zone, I honestly, because, because to be quite honest, you don't need to be a sniper to one time a shot from the low slot past a goalie. It, just by the fact that it's a one timer, you have a pretty darn good chance of beating him. No, I've seen yeah, I've seen Brighton Shen and Michael Raffle rip one timers for goals this year. It's it's a high percent. It's the it's the only way to score in this league is deflections and one timers. It's the only way to beat these gigantic goalies yeah. with their gigantic pads is getting move get them moving and beat them beat them that way. Mm-hmm. But. I honestly, I believe there is a systems issue in that they are too perimeter-oriented, but I see far too often, maybe it's just my eyes lying to me, guys get the puck in the slot and they're still looking to pass. They're still just not confident in their ability to shoot and want to make that extra pass, which is, you know, if this is Hoosiers and everyone has to touch the puck uh, once or twice before you rip the shot, that's fine, but I would like to see a goal go in every now and then. That's fair. That's fair. And I do agree that they're probably a little less assertive with the puck in terms of shooting than they should No be. coach ever said pass up an open shot in the slot yeah. is what I'm trying to say. I, I do believe Haxtell deserves some of the blame, but someone just has to shoot at some point. I agree. I, I At the same time, I don't... My general philosophy on players with passing is that, look, I, I want to trust their judgment. I want to trust their ability to create, especially when I'm talking, when you're talking about creative players. If Claude Giroux thinks he can create a perfect shot for a guy and pass up a good opportunity to get a great opportunity. I'm generally going to trust him because he's Claude Giroux. At the same time, yeah, it's it's frustrating when you watch, you know, a guy in the slot and try to pass it to a guy on the side and then the guy flubs a shot and you got nothing out of that and that dangerous opportunity. It's frustrating. It, it's tough. As I said, I tend to lean more towards the system aspects of it um just because the Flyers, like their defensemen, take so many shots. Yeah, I was just about to ask. Like, so would, many shots. Would anybody have? Would anybody have a problem with the perimeter game as if defensemen were actually hitting <laughs> the net or scoring goals? Oh yeah, or, I mean that's perimeter? a huge Doing issue. Is that anything useful? <laughs> it's a huge issue that Shane Gostisbehere is shooting like last I checked four percent or whatever, yeah, like, like three four percent. Yeah, something like that. we when we were talking about ghosts the other day, we were saying like if. If he was just hitting the net the way he was last year, no one would notice any of these other flaws in his game. And like that's going to get better, but even yeah. if that gets better, he's still only going to be around like 7 or 8. Yeah, yeah. Whereas forwards, there's a reason why forwards shoot 10% on average. It's because they tend to shoot from closer in because they're forwards. Of course. Yeah. Like let's give them more opportunities to shoot. Let's stop depending upon us gathering up rebounds and deflecting shots. So this is a hackstall thing. I'm starting to think it is. Although I will say that over well, there's been a major issue in terms of the discrepancy between like shot volume and shot quality. It's kind of gotten a bit better in January, which is why I'm 
it's hard to say because everybody's so really, really angry at this team right now, but the numbers imply the Flyers will get better if they keep playing the way they've been playing in January. And it, I, I feel crazy Here saying you go it. with your liberal agenda, pushing <laughs> these facts on us. Fake news. <laughs> I, I feel... I feel bad even saying it because you know, you're on Twitter. You take take the pulse of the fan base, and everybody's so angry, and it's understandable because the team's <laughs> delivering really, really bad results. But I look at these numbers. They're since the start of January, they're second in the NHL, the entire NHL in score adjusted Corsi. They're third in expected goals. Here's a question I have about expected goals. Okay, if a goal goes in and the ref is just like, nah. <laughs> Is that an expected goal? Because in every situation, it's a goal unless the ref goes, nah. Well, it, it <laughs> depends. If, if, did, he, or did he not blow the whistle? That, that's the question. <laughs> well, oh, you, this freaking whistle was in his mouth. Like, how that's can you have is, the intent will, to blow the whistle when will, it's, it's in your mouth? I will allow for that bring it up to your mouth intent to blow yeah. kind of call. But when you are, you have the whistle in your mouth, you are on the back of the net watching the play. It takes no seconds to send the message from your brain to your mouth to create the blowing whistle noise. You can <laughs> inhale or you can exhale, and the whistle is going to blow. It was the it's most going to make a noise. Call I've ever seen because it was. It wasn't like it happened right away. He it went in and then he blew the whistle two seconds later. Yeah. Like enough. If he an hour later went ah oh, no nah, never mind. Like how much time has to elapse before it's no longer an argument intent to blow the whistle? Uh, that's just a go ahead, Charlie, with your stats. Look, I'll, keep, just, with, keep, with I'll, your keep, I'll keep rolling with the it's stats. Just absolutely friggin' ridiculous. No, it, it was. It was. It was a ridiculous play. But so second in the NHL in Corsi, third in the NHL in expected goals, first in terms of the amount of shots they've generated on the power play since the start of January, and they're second in expected goals on the power play. Like this team should be scoring more, and they're not, and it's frustrating as hell. But if you buy into the numbers as being predictive of what's going to happen next, like this is a team that seems to be on the verge of turning things around. Now, I, depending on your philosophy on numbers is whether you buy it, but like that's what the numbers say, and we can't ignore that because we're just really angry at the Flyers right now. I think we can ignore it if we just don't believe in it. If we can just, <laughs> that, be well, like, yeah, that, that that's fair. Yeah, now fair. these numbers they might be numbers like Shane Gossespair. Might be called a play driver because he's on the ice for more shots for than against. But I just don't believe it. So but, it doesn't fit my agenda. But I mean, global warming isn't isn't actually happening. <laughs> <laughs> Good times. He's Flyers, such a fool. <laughs> Flyers Twitter is just a wonderful place to be. Sometimes. Well, John awesome. Boric. So I don't even remember what the tweet was. But I, I can't. Spare's not a play I, driver, and humans didn't create. Uh, global warming. global warming. It was. It was, it, was that what it was? Just a wonderful. No, it was basically, like, well, we'll agree to disagree. You know, some people think that it play drive. Play driving is like. Oh, he, he's right, he's quote unquote driving play is a lot like the Earth is getting warmer, so it has to be humans who are responsible. Will agree to disagree. He he buried himself. That's like, the best part. It's like, dude, this is the kind of stuff that stat people use to make fun of, like anti-stat people as like a straw man argument. Yes. And he just threw it out there on his own with no prompting just, at all. I think he was just trying to poke the horn. He might have been. He might have been. That's that's really all that was. There, But there were like four in a row. And and like why be Skip Bayless if you don't have to be? <laughs> like, I make fun of my job as my of my role as a troll and everyone here knows when I'm screwing with them. I hope everyone listening knows when I'm screwing with them. <laughs> it's like a fun game I play. But that's I fun do for it, only you. I do it as a joke and everyone's in on it. 
Like, this is something an actual analyst who works for Comcast Sportsnet, who is in every freaking broadcast, said. And and there were a couple blog posts from different blogs. One was Sons of Penn, I think. Another one was Buzz on Broad Street or, or Broad, Street Broad Street Buzz, Buzz Street something Buzz, like that. About Shane Gosses Bear. Buzz on Broad, RIP. Yeah, well, I, I knew it was Buzz something and Broad, I don't, whatever. We figured it out. Um, about Shane Gosses Bear, just basically saying the first one was, I've never se- seen something so inaccurate when it was a pretty good article yeah, by Ryan article. Gilbert with a lot of details. And then the other one was something else. Like, okay. I love how you can just call something that's numbers based inaccurate. And it's much like the global war. Well, just because you're a scientist and I'm a guy who works at Comcast Sportsnet, <laughs> uh, my opinion means as much as yours. Just because the numbers say this and I don't believe it. Eh, like, I I, you're wrong. I get that criticizing Ghost is the hot button right now among probably. 90% of Flyers fans like I get that but this is not the way to go about making a point or whatever you're trying to do when you are someone that people who casually follow the game are is listening to like this is if you don't if you're not entrenched in hockey if you don't follow the blogs if you just watch the games or pick someone who's got the check mark to follow on Twitter they're getting the wrong narrative and Charlie has Charlie the check has mark, a check so follow mark. him follow instead Charlie yeah really ignore me but follow Charlie <laughs> uh now this is this is the, and then later that day of course ghost had that ridiculous turnover and he's oh i guess he's driving play and that turnover's all Hackstall's fault something like you know another just well, then, 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 then another just, just nonsense like, analogy then, then you're trolling it, you know what and this is something that bother that Maybe it didn't bother me as much six or seven years ago. It bothers me now. Like, it's not easy to write articles. And I'm not just talking about, like, the no. time you spend writing an article. Like, you're putting your name on something, and you're throwing it out there for everyone to judge. Yeah. And to have a guy who is generally thought of as, like, a thought leader in the Flyers, you know, in the Flyers world, because he's the he's the, the host of the postgame show, to basically be like, this is fucking stupid. Like, that's not a good feeling. Like, Mm-mm. like if you disagree with an article, fine, but like, give some justification. Don't just dismiss it out of hand. It sucks for the guy who wrote the article. It's just, it's not, it's not a nice thing yeah, to he do. He spent a lot of time yeah. on that. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of detail, a lot of data, and you know, it's it's up to everybody to interpret data their own way. We get that. Yeah, and if you don't agree with it. So what? But I mean, you, you don't have to trash it and just take a total shit on it like Bork did. My so. biggest issue with it is this summer uh, and all last season, really, with with the Canadians. You're just watching this drama unfold with PK Subban, and you're wondering, how the hell does this happen? Mm-hmm. How does a franchise and a city just kind of run a great player out of town? And it's because you look at dumb shit rather than the big <laughs> picture. And it's like, oh yeah, well we just gave up. Uh, we just gave up a number one defenseman for a guy who's probably maybe still a number one defenseman, but not for much longer. And honestly, just doesn't have that much more dynamic dynamic of a game. He just has an awesome power play shot, and that's all well and good. I just if we I'm. Listen, I think there are right now, to me, two untouchables on this roster, and their names are Ivan Provorov and Wayne Simmons. I think those two need to be flyers for life, and that's all there is to it. Everyone else, I'm open. Now, like, if you're going to trade a Shane Gossespierre, I want Matt Duchesne or something back, but I, I don't want to I don't want to trade Shane Gossespierre. Yeah, yeah you, you leave... 
I, in all and honesty, this is how they all honestly, kind of I, stuff I, happens. Yeah, I wouldn't even make Provorov totally untouchable. I can't imagine there would be a trade offered to me that I would accept. But like, yeah, sure, if they're offering yeah, McDavid, but exactly, I'm talking exactly. about like real life stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Give me Austin Matthews yeah. and Mitch Marner, and then maybe <laughs> we can talk about Provorov. And exactly, that's the kind of, and that's why they're untouchable to me because that isn't happening. Exactly. Right. Well, I wouldn't put Wayne Simmons on my untouchable list, but I, I understand you're. Forever. I know you're emotionally invested. <laughs> He's so a flyer. Do you? He's re- he represents the orange and black better than anyone who's ever worn the jersey in 40 years. Okay. That's that line of thinking that makes makes people believe Tortorella would be a good coach here. I would like to have Columbus's record. I don't know about you. I can't. I can't. <laughs> I, can't I can't. I can't. I can't. I told you. Tortorella's a more progressive coach than Dave Haxtell. Well, that I It's don't. happening in Th- front of this, our eyes. This year. This year. Definitely. This year. Uh, it's happening with a guy who was here last year. Couldn't figure out a way to utilize Sam Gagne being utilized perfectly there. Well, here's here's one theory. I, I saw this pop up on Twitter. I can't, I can't remember who came up with it, but it, it kind of makes some sense. So, who won the Stanley Cup last year? Unfortunately, the no, Penguins we, did. We, why? Why? Who was, their, why? Who, who, who was their coach? Mike Sullivan. You know how Mike Sullivan got his start? He was basically Tort's protege. And it's. It, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that Tortorella, who's undoubtedly still friends with Sullivan, looked at the kind of the stuff that Sullivan did to win a cup and was like, hey, maybe like Sullivan's on to something here. Talk to Sullivan, got some advice on like, hey, what should I do with this team? And then ran with it, figuring, hey, what the hell? Because Sullivan's a forward-thinking guy. Maybe this is Torts learning from his protege in a sense. Could be. So uh, I, I, this I is, this don't is a, I don't hate that idea, but I hate that you brought it up. This is a question. <laughs> this is a question that Charlie asked that I love. Uh, what the heck happened to Michael Delzato? Is he good? Crickets. Is he, is he just <laughs> yeah. bad? I, How did his game fall off so well, tremendously? Well, I don't think that it did. I think that he had just an outstanding, outperforming season last year. I think that that was the fluke because last year really was the outlier. He was he was solid the year before, um, but there's a reason that he went unclaimed. There was a reason that New York didn't sign him. There was a reason Nashville didn't re-sign him. There's a reason he's going to be an unrestricted free agent after this season. Yeah, yeah. like this, this Look, I think, t- just is Michael Delzato. Yeah, there, I mean, there were times where he looked like Bobby Orr out there. There was a time last season. There were season. times that he just looked like he, he might be an a- AHL defenseman, but that's his biggest issue. There's no gray area. Yeah. And, I mean, especially lately now with the with his stick penalties, I mean... They're so bad. It's pretty terrible. He blows he blows more coverages than, than Ghost. As much as much criticism as Ghost is getting in the defensive zone and I, I will I will admit he's not been great in coverage, but Delzado's been worse. Be. That's, that's Delzado just, blows more coverages that yeah. seem seemingly to end up in goals than, than Ghost has. Yeah, no, Delzado's been really bad and like I hate it because I was watching him last year thinking Delzado might have a role in the future. Yeah. And, For like a long time. Yeah, and now I'm just like, thank God this happened this year and not after they signed sure. him. The, at least he had a bad contract yeah. year, and you if, it, if you have a bad contract year, I don't trust you at all. But like that means it's yeah. just not in you. If money doesn't motivate you, I don't know what does. <laughs> There's nothing. Well, maybe you just you can't acclimate to the system. <laughs> it, could, it could be. I don't know. It, it's just I think what when it really hit me because I, I I put that like what the heck happened to Delzato? It really hit me during yesterday's game, right before yesterday's game, because Delzato was apparently going to play. Either like he tweaked something or he wasn't feeling well in the in the pregame skate, and then he was out. And Had and a pre- Tinder date. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, had, had, had to like some people on Instagram. But uh, Brandon Manning comes in. And my first thought was, well, that, I mean, that's good. And then I thought it was like, wait a minute. I was like, wait a minute, really? 
Like, I actually thought to myself, wait, I'm really happy that Brandon Manning is in over Michael Delzato. And I thought, like, yeah, I am. Because as limited of a player as Brandon Manning is, and Michael Delzato is 10 times the talent that Brandon Manning will ever be. Sure. I trust Brandon Manning more this year than Michael Delzato. And that's insane. That should not be. That should not be considering the gap in talent between the two players. They basically have the exact same offensive numbers. Well, I think Delzato has one more goal. Well, now here's a question. Let's say, let's say Delzato. I mean, he's he's going to be up for. He is up for a new contract. Would you bring him back on a couple years for really cheap? No, I don't think so. Not even a little bit. No, man. No. Yeah, I just can't. I just I can't. I can't sign any more bad deals. You have to be in a pretty desperate yeah. situation, and it it couldn't possibly be anything more than one year. And, and look, that's not a knock on his talent. We've all we all know that he's got the talent. We've mm-hmm. seen the talent. The, the thing is, it, it, it might just be a head game. It might be a systems thing. But you know what? It's still a question mark. And I don't. I with with the way with the direction that this team is going in, I just I can't sign a guy that I don't trust. No, I agree with you completely. And they've got enough defensemen, hopefully, coming up through exactly. the system sure. where you don't need you hope. him. Yeah, right. yeah. I, I mean, if you were if you were looking to re-sign the Delzato from last year, who was a two-way defenseman who could take tough minutes and do okay in them, that's a different story. But if you're signing the Delzato from this year, you're signing a guy who can score points and be offensive, and that's about it. And they already have Travis Sanheim coming up. Mm-hmm. They already have Shane Gossesbeard, who is that, but just more, you know, he's, he's just more offensive and more electric than Michael Delzato ever was. And then you have Philip Myers, who, while he's a little bit more steady, he's more aggressive than people give him credit for. Like, he's a risk taker. And do you really want to have those three guys on the on the defense, which you expect they're all going to be there, and then Michael Delzato, like you're kind of replicating skill mm-hmm. sets here. I, and where's the I, vet going to come from, though? I mean, you know, we can sit here all day long and just paint a blue line in our heads. It's going to be nothing but twenty, twenty one, twenty two yeah. year old kids, but it's not going to end up like that. Yeah, well, they've got Gudis, Gudis, and then they're going to have to get probably another another veteran i would think well at that point let's say let's say they make the playoffs this year ghost is gonna have two playoff seasons yeah but is he ever really gonna like let me put it this way the the guy who i compare ghost to the most is mike green and like did anyone ever view mike green as like the reliable guy no even when he was in Mm. his mid to late 20s he was still mike green he's the guy who scores points and takes chances and is is a positive on the whole but like yeah you're not throwing him out there with you know 30 seconds left in it when you're up by one that's right. just not his role i think they're gonna have to probably get another you know guys another veteran at some Luke point I just, I just hope they bring the him right back. guys we're going to have andrew mcdonald until the sun explodes explodes takes over the earth consumes the earth liable he is going to be here forever but I've got good news. He's played his 40 games, so now he's eligible for... <laughs> now we're going to set him down, right? That was what Watch the whole him. thing was. Watch them do it. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my uh, goodness. So, no, you don't play t- You don't play the guy who you're planning on waving <laughs> or getting rid of 21 minutes a night, almost maybe you're 22. Hoping, maybe you're hoping someone claims him, just thinking, look at the minutes he's playing. No. I mean, that's why the Flyers traded for him, so maybe, there's, maybe Holmgren got another job somewhere. <laughs> Unfortunately... Um, so, I was watching the games this weekend, and I basically noticed that as soon as you, I think you tweeted it, Charlie, about the uh, the second power play, and the way they're set up, and we've been bemoaning it all year, like, Couturier on the half wall, and all these things that don't make any sense, and they seem to have adjusted it. It's not totally insane. It's not perfect, but it's not totally insane anymore, and th- the biggest thing that frustrated me about it was, 
the Konechny was they were using him as a net front guy, and it's like the guy's like 180 pounds at most and 510, and you're using him as the net front guy. Like you've got, and then they were trying Dale Weiss, but he's Dale Weiss. He can't score apparently at all this year. So <laughs> why do you really want him on the power play? Now they have Couture there. Which makes sense to me. He's six three. He's a big guy, and at the very least, he knows how to you know gain leverage on guys trying to go through the slot. And he's been net presence before. Yeah. So they they have him in that front. Now they have Konechny in the Shen spot, and then they're doing this weird like hybrid one three one, which is the style that the first power play unit uses, and then like the two men up at the top because Provorov is sort of playing the Drew role. But then he also moves back to the point sometimes, and then Konechny kicks out to where Drew usually is, which is good. It's it's an interesting strategy. It's a different wrinkle, yeah, which it, is what I want. Like exactly, well, if they you needed to do something, that top power play unit, while it has struggled mm-hmm. for the most part this year, if you don't have that kind of talent by this year, you, you mean twenty seventeen? Right? Yes, yeah. This, yeah. If you don't have that kind of talent. You, why run that same system? It clearly works because you have Claude Giroux, power play specialist. Wayne Simmons, power play specialist. Shane Gossespierre, power play specialist. Braden Shen, power play specialist. Like Emphasis on that. Yeah, these are guys who this is what they do. And if you don't have that kind of talent, you probably have to mix in something else. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. and it was, it's funny that like, I mean, that was the only real major tactical change you saw after the bye week, but at least they made something. And at least it makes sense. Like, I I was getting so tired of watching that second power play unit flounder around, and at least now the roles kind of make sense, which was is cool. It, was it surprising to you after a week of not being able to practice that they threw out something new like that? Uh, not really, because the coaches, I mean, so much of these things, like, these players aren't stupid. These players know formations. They know neutral zone forechecks. They know offensive zone forechecks. Like, they get the concepts. They just need to be told, like, hey, this is where you're going to stand now. And then they had, they did have the practice on Friday. They probably ran through it real quick in practice on Friday. And then they tried it on Saturday, and it worked. And then the second power play unit scored. It was the only goal they had. They got it right after the power play got done, the, the connecting goal. Uh, does any, Taylor, what time do we get started? Okay, we got ten more minutes. So I want to ask everybody here... To assess Sean Couturier for me. Oh, boy. Well, that's a very broad question. Yeah, just tell me what you think of him this year and what he's been overall. Um, I like Sean Couturier. I like him a lot, too. I think he's... Uh, I want him to be a very good player. Um, I don't know if I love Sean Couturier on the second line, but I don't, I don't have a great answer. Pass. <laughs> There is a enormous drop-off in talent behind Giroux, and this is mm. very concerning for me. Everyone's concerned about Giroux's prime years and him getting up there. He's 29 years old. Now, I'm 33 years old, so saying that it's somebody's 29 years old and he's old... Does it make of, you want to die? Yeah. Yeah, me too. Bit. Especially when you know, you're on a make-a-player on NHL, and, and, and by the time I'm done making my player, he's already retired. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, I think there's an enormous drop-off in talent uh, behind Sean, uh, behind. Claude Giroux. I love Sean Couturier. I put this out there on Twitter. I, I posted it on a blog saying that I believe that he is every bit of the core, a bit of part of the core moving forward as anybody else, any any of these young players. But we're missing a one-two scoring line center. You know what I mean? There's no oh. there's no depth. Yeah. At, at uh, when when we're talking about scoring lines, that's uh, my question. Really, is do you believe him to be a true number two center? No. Do you think you can win with him as your second best center? I think you can. Could. I think you can win. Just, yeah. Yeah. Win a Stanley Cup with him as your second best yeah. Yeah. center. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can. You've got to. You've got to surround him with 
it talent. Was yeah. I mean, he, he he started the year with Jake Voracek and Travis Konechny, and he has four assists. To put it this way, it'd be more realistic to actually acquire a bona fide second-line scoring centerman than trying to surround Sean with as much talent as you possibly can and pray that that is what pray that pays off. Here's what I will say. The Sean Couturier from last year is a second-line center in the NHL. He scored at a second-line center rate of 5-on-5. He drove play at a first-line center rate of 5-on-5. Like, that Sean Couturier is a second is a 2C is a 2C in the NHL. Yeah. Really? That that guy is a borderline 1C in the NHL and his numbers just didn't look all that great because he missed 20 something games and doesn't get time on the first power play. Yeah, he was at like what 0.65 points a game. Yeah, like he, was, he was very no, if good. If you were playing if if you were able to produce at that level offensively and play Kopitar or Taves level defense, sure. Absolutely. You you are you are of that Ilk. Exactly, but the, the Sean Couturier he, from this year? No, no, the Sean Couturier from this year could not be a second line center on a great team. At the same time, no one really is scoring much at five on five this year. Like that's the elephant in the room, and the question is: is like, okay, is Sean Couturier struggling because Sean Couturier isn't that good at scoring, or is Sean Couturier struggling because everyone can't score a five on five? The only, the I think the only two guys that are above. I, I think the only two guys that are above 1.6 um, uh, points per 60 of 5-on-5 are Voracek and Konechny, and that's it. And like that's like that's where you start getting into borderline first-line territory. Mm-hmm. And they're the only two guys. Everybody else is in like the mid-to-low ones. Like This is not good. And yeah, you can say Kateri needs to be better, and he does. He does. He needs to score more. He needs to score more, especially considering the quality of his linemates. as well. Yeah, and he needs to stay healthy. There's also that. But I go back to the offensive zone thing and the systems. Like... It seems like everyone's five on five scoring is getting deflated this year. And at at what point at what point do you say maybe this isn't the talent? Maybe this is what they're being told to do. <clears throat> that's the real question in, in my mind, and that's a question the, that I don't coach? think you're going to know until the end of the year. And you can look at everything from a wide view and see, okay, how did everybody finish? Maybe some people got hot at the end of the year. Their their stats look better overall. But right now, I'm on the fence. I don't know if this is the players or if this is the coaching dr- telling the players to do something that's deflating their scoring potential of five on five. I'm not sure. It, it's concerning for me because it's a down year for just about everybody. I mean, yeah. Jake Voracek is having a much better season this year than he was last year. But I think he's the only one. And last year was the down year for him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, he's probably the only one who's jumped. Up. Maybe Simmons on. I don't even know because Simmons has, has tailed off a bit in terms of scoring. Yeah. They got off to the great start. He may be around the same pace he was last year. Yeah. So it, it's it's concerning. He's going to be at the same number, and he he avoided long scoring slumps for a large part of the season. But I'm, that's what's going to happen yeah, with yeah. a power forward. I'm not overly concerned because Simmons... Uh, consistency! Simmons has the most consistent game out of everyone on the team. <laughs> he does exactly what I want him to do. He just, you know, you don't score unless you're Ovechkin. You have you to score, score goals. goals. You have to score goals, Bill. Unless you're Alex Ovechkin, you don't score 50, which means anyway, you're, <laughs> you're going to have slumps. I'm done using your words. Um, I, I don't... So I, I'm really critical of Dave Hackstall, and I think that... There are quite a few people who are. I don't want to see him fired. I I don't think that that's a good idea for the team. I don't think that's a good idea for the city. I'm I just, agree. I'm, I, I'm I tired agree. of seeing head coaches fired now. Yeah. Exactly. I was all over yeah. Baruby's ass. I mean, well, yeah, Baruby was, was terrible. Like, yeah, but, <laughs> yeah, but I, look, Laviolette, 
Ruby, Hackstall. When are we just going to face it? Like, maybe it's just not the, maybe it's not all the coach. Yeah. I, and I don't think, like, my criticism of, of the offensive zone structure as I see it, like, that's not me saying that Hackstall is, is you know, totally wrong. Oh, no, I'm putting this, words this, in your mouth. this is never going to change. Like, no, and, and you are. I'm, I'm not, not criticizing you either. I'm just saying, like, this is something that he could tweak. Like, they don't have to continue taking tons and tons of point shots. They can start attacking the slot more, which they actually did against the Islanders. Like, this is not a major shift in strategy. It's a tweak. And I just, I would like to see them tweak things a little bit for the final three months of the year. I think he's fully capable of that. Haxwell's a smart guy. You know, you talk to him, he's a smart guy. He knows this stuff. And there's probably a reason behind his strategy. I just don't think it's worked that well this year. And maybe it's time to make some changes. You, uh, Mikey, you named the, uh, the three coaches. Uh, two of whom have been fired, one who at least the fans have on the hot seat and Dave Haxtell. And just looking at what this team has been through those three coaches, basically Claude Giroux's prime years, mm-hmm. did the team waste them? The organization, did they waste Claude Giroux? No, I don't think they wasted him. Uh, that's 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 a weird question. Go ahead, finish. I cut you off. No, no, no. No, it's fine. Go ahead. It's just, it's a weird question. They wasted Claude Giroux. What like, did they, they give him? Well, you had a, a you job. Had, you had okay. <laughs> is that, is had, that what you're asking? No, you uh, had an elite number one center sure. for for a four year period. Sure, he was averaging over a point a game. He was excellent. He was one of the best playmakers in the entire league. What'd you ever give him? You gave him Hartnell and Yager for one year, and right now he's out there with Matt Reed and Michael Roffel. Uh well, think of the circumstances that have happened. I mean, you traded yeah. JVR for Luke Shen. Nobody could have anticipated Chris Pronger going down, and he was an enormous influence to that team uh, earlier on. Uh, having a number one defenseman is a pretty big deal. I mean, if, if I want to make a football analogy... But he was 37. You had to know the time was coming where Pronger wasn't going to be around. Sure. I, 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 what... They never. I mean, they pursued uh, Suter and Weber, who weren't going to come here. That just wasn't going to happen. Zach Parise. Uh, Parise. They well, tried Weber, to. Weber would have come here. He just they matched the deal. Yeah, and you and know, the Flyers are probably that's better what off happens, than he didn't. That's what yeah. happens when you pursue restricted free agents. Yeah. The offers get matched. I, you know, <laughs> it, it. You and he turned into guy. PK Subban. Yeah, you could have made that trade. That would have been great. Uh, I just. I don't. Uh, they they went out and got Le Cavalier, who was a hundred years old when they signed him and had a bad back because athletes with bad backs always yeah. bounce back. Holmgren was trying to replace Briere with a uh, a bigger second line, mm-hmm. a, a bigger a, second a line bigger center. French Canadian. Yeah, <laughs> luckily Voracek and Simmons, the throw ins on trades you made worked out. Those are the best wingers that Giroux ever really had. So, I, I, what are you getting I, at? I just feel like the organization wasted Claude Giroux's prime years. What does the organization owe Claude Giroux? That's exactly what I was going to ask. When you have one elite player, you try to win a cup because they're hard to come no, by. I understand that, but I mean, like they, they they were competitive. I mean, in the majority of, of Giroux's career with the Flyers, they were a competitive team. They'd gotten deep. They'd gone to... Well, they, Giroux wasn't the heart and soul of the team back in 2010, but I mean, like we, we made it. To the postseason, they haven't times. been out of the second round since Carter and Richards were traded. And it's pretty difficult to get get out of the second round. That's the job. I get it. Well, it's supposed. It's not easy. I, I don't understand what you're arguing right now. I think 
is is where I'm confused. So Claude Giroux was they were supposed to hire people to be superstars alongside Claude Giroux for Claude Giroux. No. You are supposed to take advantage of having a great player, and now he is no longer great. And you're. Going, I, I think that that's also an exaggeration. That Claude I, his Giroux numbers is say no it. longer great. His numbers say it. I, I, I don't. His I, numbers I, have I, declined well, every year for three years. Well, I, I think now, they're just going to suddenly getting, come back. That's never happened in sports. Now we're getting into semantics here. I mean, if you're going to say that, I think Claude Giroux is still a great player. I don't think he's an elite player anymore. I, I like. Now we're getting into semantics. Like he's definitely not what he was four years ago. I mean, anybody who goes back and watches a game from four years ago and then watches a game today can see that he's slower, that he's not the same. He doesn't have the same quickness. He doesn't have the same burst that he had four years ago. And that's fair. Still a very good player. I mean, like guys that score 60 points and still drive play are very good players. He's not one of the best players in hockey like he was during that run. To win a cup, you need two things. A number one defenseman in his prime and a number one center in his prime. This team is rebuilding. Hopefully Provorov is that number one defenseman. They don't have a number one center. See, I think you're being a little bit too, and you're being a little bit too negative here because and, and reactionary. Well, maybe? It's not, it's not reactionary that, like, to three seasons of declining numbers. You're you're ba- you're basically saying that the Flyers missed their chance, and now no matter what happens, they're ne- they're not going to win a cup because Drew isn't a one C anymore, and they're not going to get a one C because they're going to be too good to get a one C in the draft. And my response to that is. Even if that's 100% true, even if we could say Giroux isn't a 1C, Couturier will never be a 1C, like, as crazy as this sounds, they're not, it's not out of the realm of possibility they couldn't get a 1C. And my, you know, my, you know what my classic example is? Seth Jones for Ryan, Ryan Johansson. The Flyers are stacking up on defensive prospects. If you want to hope that the Flyers are going to get a yeah. 1C somewhere else, hope that these defensive prospects pan out and they can make a trade like that and get a young guy like a Ryan Johansson. And that is all the time we have for you this week on BSH Radio. Thank you for joining us, everybody. Uh, just thanks for listening every week. Uh, we, we get all your replies. Uh, I got a listener question from a, a fan this week. We'll get to it next week. Uh, just thanks a lot, and have a great week, Philly. Are you ready to talk about sports? Yeah! Who's gonna score hockey goals? I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. <laughs>